We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Welcome to Business Matters presented by Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capallo. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Now Media Group. Today, I'd like to welcome my Italian friend, Dominic Ramponi, to Business Matters. Dominic, thank you for joining me this morning. Oh, I'm honored to talk to a fellow Italian. Uh, <laughs> to this, uh, Italians can solve the world's problems. It takes can a little we? bit of time. Oh, we can. No problem. <laughs> Just with food and wine. Yeah, and some grappa in the morning. Yeah, have a little bit of grappa in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm, I've been looking forward to this talk. I know you and I like to have our lunches, and I always find yep. joy sort of chatting and learning what's going on. But for people that might not know, it's kind of obviously do my research before we kind of get on and kind of learn about history and who you are and so forth. And I started writing um, all the stuff you do. So your sales representative for West Manufacturing, um, yes. which is steel and aluminum manufacturer, your business development for manager for international coliseums, which is builds ice arenas in North America, which is super cool. And you're also national sales representative for Jealous Fruit, which is the largest producer of sweet cherries in Canada. We'll talk Correct. about it. But wait, it's not all. You're also <laughs> on the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce, the Okanagan Historical Society. You're a member of the Kelowna uh, Canadian Italian Club, the Western Canada Italian Chamber of Commerce, and the Kelowna City Agriculture Advisor Committee. And I'm sure I missed some. I, I guarantee there's somewhere I missed something, haven't I? Yeah, I, I'm no longer on the board of directors of the Kelowna Chamber. Okay, okay. But, but I'm on the uh, Economic Development Commission of the West Bank First Nations. So there, so we'll swap one for the other. Then, <laughs> That's right. right. So, exactly. so my question is, when do you sleep? Do you sleep? Uh, I'm never, I'm never home, but <laughs> I really enjoy all the different industries that I'm involved with because they kind of cross over quite a bit. Like right. if I'm talking to a developer coming in and I know, cause I, I go to all the city council meetings and I track as many developments within the city of Kelowna as I can. I also right. track Summerland and the other ones too, but Kelowna is really the, the hotspot. So when I'm talking to these people, they're thinking of moving over here. I sound somewhat intelligent because I kind of know the concept of, of what's going on. Uh, so it, it's that aspect. And uh, being on the board of directors, and our family's been in Kelowna since 1893, so we've got lots of history. But being on the board of directors of the Okanagan Historical Society really adds to that historical component because everybody kind of wants to know, right, right. You know how Kelowna got started. So when you're in these conversations, uh, you're at an event, uh, the conversation never ends. I mean, it goes on, well, you know yourself, right? It goes on and on and on about a bunch of different things. But the one thing that, that I did find out is all the different organizations I'm involved with, I'm really passionate about what they, what they do. And uh, so and I'm passionate about how clone is growing. I'm passionate about agriculture because without food, there's no substance, right? right. You know, right. So, so, you know, I think a lot of those things really have a, a, a common uh, foundation or a common goal, how you, uh, you know, how you do that. So it, it's, it's, I, I don't find it work, 
right, uh, right. Because uh, I, I just, I'm in a lot of different functions, and, and right. I, people see me everything from sports things to to uh, open houses and that, and it really I think adds to how you can be involved in the community right. and how you can make a difference. Because uh, uh, a couple of times, and I'll tell you one story. This is where we digress all the time. Yeah, I, have okay. to, <laughs> I have to tell you the story. Because yeah. I try to get some of my relatives to be involved. They say, I can't, I'm too busy. And I said, ah, I don't believe that. Because I have to tell you the story because I think it goes to show you how people get involved to make a difference in a community. Right. So this is, I'm going back to 1959. I was only three years old, but yeah. I hear the story. So there was an Italian boxer out of New Jersey, Rocky Marciano, undefeated heavyweight boxing champions. So he was boxing in san francisco 1959 so there was three gentlemen from Kelowna that drove down in somebody's cadillac to yeah. san francisco to watch this guy fight so in the car was wac bennett there was my great uncle camilla ramponi and cap Caposi, the real uh, go-getter for Kelowna wine so i tried to tell my relatives i said those three guys probably formulated the budget in the back seat of that car going yeah. all the way from Kelowna to san francisco but what it is, is they, they were able to get their point across, their viewpoint of how to make the city better. So they had input at a real personable level, yeah. not just making the present. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. Grassroots. Yeah. So you know, when you get involved, uh, sometimes you can make uh, uh, really make a difference by uh, uh, getting your opinion across or, 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 or getting your idea. And another example was... Uh, uh, another pioneer family, a consortial family, was uh, they're having uh, some issues with some environmental stuff. So I said, uh, I said to them, I said, well, let's go see Steve Thompson. He was the minister of the environment at the time. They said, oh, we'll never get in to see him. Well, you do. You might not get in this week, but they're right. open to see it. So we went over there, and after we came out of the meeting, and Rob said, oh my God, he was so good to talk to, and all this kind of stuff. I said because that's people who have a passion, and Steve is another great guy that has a passion for Kelowna and a passion for doing things right. So you have those conversations and, and so you, you get your point across of what makes right. Kelowna uh, better, what makes it, what makes it unique, uh, what, what does that. So I really encourage a lot of people to get involved because you can, you can uh, make a difference. Yeah, hundred percent. It's interesting how you tie you could tie all these things I mentioned that all you know all the boards you're on and we're at they all work together like they all tie together. Except when you're talking to people, that's what they find interesting. You mentioned that your family came here in 1893. What what brought them to Kelowna? It brought them to Kelowna. They came from a small town called Trinco and Tonko. They're very close in uh, close to Torino yeah. in northern Italy. Okay. So their farm was next door to the Casorso farm and had been for centuries probably. So Casarso came here in 1883, and you know back then mail was it took a while, right? Right, right. <laughs> so anyhow, he wrote a letter to his his uh, friend Giovanni Casarso, uh, sent to his friend Luigi uh, Ramponi that uh, Kelowna was the the climate was similar to to northern Italy, mm. lots of opportunity over there. Well, in Italy, being a very densely populated country and not a whole bunch of farmland there was lots of opportunity to come over here so he wrote them hmm. and you know uh 
10 years later, whatever, I guess they did all the, the work to come over here. And then he never went back to Italy. Hmm. He, he came here, his wife didn't want to come. So uh, they, he huh. sent money back to build her a villa in Italy. Oh but my God. He, got, he called his two sons over and his daughter came over for a while, but she didn't get along with her dad too well. So she went back to Italy, but, but it, it, because the opportunity was here. And this is what, when I see a lot of immigrants coming over here now and, and the opportunity that Canada was built on, on immigration, right? It, it was built on a lot of 100%. people coming over here and taking the op taking the opportunity to take advantage of that opportunity right right you know to say okay you know we're gonna we're gonna do here and with a lot of families that came over here and i really have to point out a couple uh old-time families that really really helped people one was stewart brothers nurseries they own the quailsgate winery now right. hundreds and hundreds of italians that their first job was at stewart brothers nursery hmm. and and, and a lot of Portuguese, fa Portuguese families that came over. And so when I met some of the grandchildren of the predecessors, yeah. I said, I have to thank you because literally hundreds of our relatives came over here after World War II and got a start there. And they went on to do a whole bunch of different things. Right. And they never forgot that, never forgot the Stewart family for giving them the opportunity to, yeah. to settle uh, in, this, in this country. Interesting. So your your family though has been in agriculture since the Rampoli oh. family came here. Like that's what they've been in. Totally, and we grew literally everything. Oh. Uh, to give you an example, how how prominent uh, the Rampoli and the well, Sorcel family too. They had larger parcels of land, but right. in and uh, my great grandfather had a piece of land on uh, Gordon Road. We used to have a fruit stand on Gordon and. Okay. There's not enough alpha fields right there. Well, in 1919, he, he took home a check from the Pacnells for $19,000 in growing onions, which is a lot, lot of money. Yeah. A little bit because it was after World War One, so everybody's come back, and there, that time there was no importing food from California. Right, right, right. That did not exist, right? So uh, you know, it goes to show you how big agriculture was. But we've grown. We had dairy cattle. We had grew tobacco for 20 years. Hmm. We grew uh, Italian prunes, uh, alfalfa, uh, uh, you name it. And we grew all the vegetables. And we were probably one of the largest, at one time, probably the largest shipper of uh, pepper, pimento peppers, eggplants to a lot of the Italians in Western Canada. So, yeah. So it are, was. Are you completely out of it, other than your involvement in Jealous Fruits, which we'll talk about now, but or in a bit? But are, is the family completely out of farming, other than what you yeah. do in your house? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the only one that I'm the only one that's uh, involved in some form of agriculture. Uh, okay. so. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm curious, actually, not to change topic, but a little bit. I read that, and I didn't know this. Funny how many times have you and I met, and I didn't know this is that um, you used to scout for minor and junior teams. Yeah, oh yeah oh yeah no our kids i was really involved with uh with hockey and mm -hmm. uh so as our kids we had, we were lucky to have two two of our uh, sons got hockey scholarships down to the u.s so prior to that i managed a lot of the bantam teams so mm -hmm. i've 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 scouted for a lot of mostly junior a and some minor pro teams but have had a lot of uh, su success of getting younger players to at least the rookie camps Right, and some right. of them have made, and some of them 
you know, obviously haven't, but that was a pretty, 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 and I still do it a little bit now for friends of mine. If I see somebody, I'll make a, I'll make a, a phone call yeah, yeah. Uh, and got to meet a lot of uh, NHL scouts that I still keep in contact uh, uh, with today. Uh, but it, it's, it's pretty, that the hockey community is pretty small. Right. And, and even we, we, we had a business in York and Saskatchewan for three or four years. And so I got on the board of directors of the junior A hockey team there and mm. they won the national championship when I was on the board. So I, I said, it's just the result of, yeah. of me <laughs> going out there. They won the national championship, but That's funny. Yeah, it's a pretty small world. And as a result of some of the stuff I've done, it got me involved with international coliseums. Right. Because for about 10 years, we, uh, Rick Kozabak, the head of international coliseums, we ran junior evaluation camps across North America. Uh, so okay. I met, we brought coaches and university guys and everybody in. So as a result of some connection way back 30 years ago, it's, it's helped me in the position now where, where uh, I'm sourcing out locations for, to build uh, ice arenas. Interesting. So do I still have a chance to make the NHL? You got some connections for me that I can go. I, my fee as an agent isn't very much, but I do, I do want to get paid up front. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about jealous. I know there's a lot that we could talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about jealous fruit. So, so how long have you been with jealous food? What's the connection there? Well, the, the connection goes back awful long way with the, the Gein family who uh, owned jealous fruits. Okay. We've known them since they came here in early 1900s. Our two families knew each other. So, uh, and then I think it was in 1980s, they really got involved with uh, Cherry. So I knew him and knew the family and right. all that kind of stuff. But it was probably 15 years ago or so, uh, I was having uh, lunch with Christine Dendy, who had the Dendy operation in East Kona. Once in a while, we used to get together. Same thing. We've known the family for 100 okay. years. So then she said, would you be interested in looking after our local sales? I had retired from the regional district. And I said, in a minute, Christine, you know, I know how to grow the cherries. And I know lots about the actual horticulture of it. So went there and then she sold their operation to David Gein. And mm -hmm. David Gein asked me to stay on. So, uh, which is, it's been phenomenal. It's been absolutely such an exciting time because there's such a story to be told about right cherries but before i go on to a little bit about that everybody asked me how did you got guys come up with the name jealous fruit yeah every other chair every other fruit is jealous of cherries cherries yeah <laughs> and that's how that's how they that's how uh, they came up with it but now oh it, it's just it's so exciting and for a couple months a year i talk seven days a week about cherries and and the and the benefits of cherries and the industry because in August, the Okanagan Valley, us and other growers, right. it, it's a the latest place in the world that you can buy sweet cherries in the world. Nobody else grows them. <laughs> and we, we grow them, we're probably the, the best producer of sweet cherries in the world, not a question. The, the research, what do they call it now? Pacific Agricultural Research Station in Summerland right. Right. is the leading research station in the world for sweet cherries. So every cherry that starts with an S was developed there. Interesting. So you get staccato, sovereign, sweetheart. The only one that, that doesn't start with an S that was developed there was Lappin's. And that was developed from 
Dr. Lappin, who was a research uh, uh, person at the, the research station in Summerland. And he really developed these late season right. cherries that took it to another, uh, took it to another uh, level. So it, it's, it's exciting to be involved with, but the scope and the size of the industry, like our plant that's out by, by Duck Lake. Right. Yeah, most, I'm sure most people have seen the massive oh, building, but don't know what happens in the four walls, right? So. It's massive. Yeah. And like we sort 36,000 pounds an hour. Like, you know, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's all computerized. So when we pick the cherries, and for example, we, we pick 200 tons a day. So when we pick the 200 tons a day, that gets packed right away that right. day. Right. We, you do right. 18 tons a, an hour sorting. So, uh, and it goes, the hydrocooling, it I have to use my hands, of course, yeah, being yeah. Italian. So yeah, exactly. they go in cold water, then they go underneath the computer screen. That computer screen takes a picture inside and outside of the cherries. And then a poof of air tells it which box to go in. Hmm. Now, when it goes in the box, it goes inside a white bag. That white bag is a modified atmospheric pressure bag. So when the cherries are stored two degrees above freezing, it emulates the atmospheric pressure like the cherries on the tree. Interesting. That's why, that's why the hydro-cooled cherries you can keep so long. Yeah. And, and I, I, I tell people that uh, how the, the farming has become very, very scientific. Right, right. To the point is, is where we, we do a soil analysis every spring, and then yeah. we apply the right amount of fertilizer, whatever the soil is lacking. But then we do a leaf analysis partway through the grow, growing season to make sure that the uptake has, mm. has come up with the micronutrients. Same thing as you go get your blood work tested, right? You're short right. of iron, you take some iron. Well, we do the, we do the same thing. And uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty scientific, uh, right, to how it's pruned. Like I tell people when I show them the tree, I said, where did you put your ladder? People have never really picked chairs and they say because we don't we don't allow you pick but right, so right. I'll, put, I'll put my ladder right here it's pruned that way so you can pick so it lets the light in right. so that's why we can a lot of pickers like picking for us because they're they're really really properly pruned right how many people do you guys i'm curious to all the number how many people do you employ in the summer like how, like to... that last year i asked the hr person because i was so curious right yeah Last year at the height, we hit 1,042. That's insane. We, we have 1,200 acres of cherries in production. Mm. Not all in one location. Like we've say, where are all the farms in? Uh, Lakeshore Road by Bertram Creek Park. Mm. Yeah. Street. So all our orchards will have a sign there saying that this is property of Jealous Fruits. Right, right. Don't enter because we may have sprayed or contact this right. number. So we have there, uh, we have Pritchard by Kamloops. We got 350 acres there. Uh, we have the Alorado Ranch by the airport. We've got uh, Old Vernon Road. We've got Highway 33. Uh, we have McCurdy Road. We have uh, Fintry. If you look at the Fintry Delta where the old Fintry house is, right. when you look up straight up the mountain, like across West Side Road, there's an old plateau up there. And we have 100 and something acres of cherries up there. So uh, Mr. Dean has, has searched out all these micro microclimates right. to find out which is the cherries. Because the later the season, 
you're there's less uh, right. less less competition, obviously. Interesting. So, yeah. So are, the cherries, are the cherries ready? Are we eating cherries yet or not yet? <laughs> no, we haven't started picking yet. We're a couple weeks later than normal. But there's cherries. There's some uh, farmers who may have some earlier varieties that we have that might be available. And obviously, Oliver and Asuyas and Terramius right. are, are there. But the interesting thing, too, is there's, there's about 8,000 acres of grapes in the valley. And there's somewhere around 6,000 acres of cherries now. Really? Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, you know, they're a good cash crop. Like when, it, right. because if you get the bigger cherries and you farm properly, you can you can do okay on the, on the cherries. But like we hire helicopters for the frost, helicopters for the rain. So there's lots of input costs that are uh, um, that are there. But the other thing, before I forget, is there's a proper way to eat a cherry. And people say, what do you mean proper way to eat a cherry? Just put it in your mouth. No, it's exactly like drinking a glass of wine. You take that cherry, and you put it in your mouth, and you, when you chew the cherry, you really take your time, and you salivate the juices in the back of your mouth, and you get that extra kick of flavor. The same thing you do with wine. Absolutely no difference. And uh, you, you really... and. When I tell people that, then they try it. They say, oh, my God. I <laughs> well, I know that I've been buying cherries for me for years. And, and I can't like you can never eat like one, two, three. You just sit there and you just like they're, they're so addicting. So they're they're amazing. So, yeah. And, and you really do know when we do cherry tasting with the different varieties. Right. People say right. a cherry's a cherry. Not even right. close. No, I mean, you've tried some like there's there's some cherries that are less acid some are, right. have more flesh right. some have a little bit tartness at the end right uh, even though when you do the sugar content there may be the different varieties may be yeah. similar in sugar content but one might have a little bit more acid into it right so that's what gives you that 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 uh, tartness over there but it is and then the other thing that people are starting to do now is when they pick the when they come up to get the cherry a lot of people have pit them and freeze them for smoothies right. in the wintertime. But before you freeze them, you dip them in dark chocolate and then you freeze them individually and you serve them as a dessert. Oh, they're, they're spectacular. But the, the key is one lady, uh, she tried this where uh, she, uh, instead of pitting them from the side, she pitted it from the bottom. Okay. So then the chocolate goes inside and out nice. on the chocolate and yeah, they're they're pretty good uh, delicacy when it uh, uh, when you when you try them uh, when you try them like that. So yeah, that's pretty. You know, yeah, no, it's it's exciting for sure. You mentioned the size, and I know just on the side of the boxes is always numbers. Yeah, how do the numbers relate to what's inside the box? The uh, um, the smaller the number, the bigger yeah. the cherry. Okay. So if you get a seven row cherry, they would be like this. Okay. And that's because basically how many row, how many cherries go in a row in the box? Ah, uh, okay. Okay. That's how it was determined. But uh, I, I don't have one with me here, but yeah, the, yeah. the sizing chart, when you see them, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unique how uh, big uh, they can grow over here. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you, um, I know this from talking in the past is that, all the cherries you grow don't obviously sell at retail locations. There's lots of exporting as well. We, we, we export to 20, last year we did to over 20 countries. Wow. And, and a real big market for us 
uh, now it's getting to be California. Really? Because California, another week or so, they'll be finished. Their cherries. Uh, okay, and we have, and we're just starting here. And we're just starting over here. Yeah. So I think one day last year we sent ten semi loads in one day to California alone. Oh my gosh! It's a big population. It's a whole yeah, population yeah. of Canada. Yeah, yeah. State <laughs> over there, right? Yeah. So, but, but we've had uh, customers that have come visit Kelowna that bought our cherries in in uh, uh, Walmart in Boston, North Dakota. I had a right. lady phone me from from North Dakota, wanted me if I could send her a box. And I said, ah, just go talk to your produce manager at Walmart and ask her to buy a box. <laughs> because to, to send them to these other countries, you, you have to be uh, a certified plant with a, a right. Canadian food inspection agency. We're totally regulated, uh, right. you know, when we ship outside the, outside the country. Every load gets inspected. So uh, it, it's good. And you have to be a certified uh, uh, plant to do that. To do that. So yeah. how many varieties does Jealous Root grow? Like, how, do you know how many different cherry varieties? You uh, probably about 30. Wow. So, and sometimes when you go in a grocery store, I, I understand, I've had some discussions with some of the produce guys and I said, why don't you say what kind of varieties? Well, it's very difficult because every three or four days, there's a different variety. Different, yeah. So, and then on, on one day, you may have two, two different varieties on your produce shelf. Right. Whereas when you come to Jealous Fruits, we label all the varieties. Right. We take control over that. And we try to explain the characteristics of each, of each variety. And now we have people specifically saying, I want sonnet variety. Yeah, yeah. Or I want... Uh, this variety. Some people still ask for Bings and Lamberts, but we don't grow anymore. Uh, mm. The old varieties that we still grow, we still have some vans, but very, very limited compared to the others because they're earlier. Right. And, uh, um, uh, we do that. But we do some interesting things too, like the birds sometimes are a real problem to cherries. Yeah. We in, in one of our locations, we have a trained falcon. That, that goes that goes above the cherry trees and the birds don't don't attack. Yeah, they won't come near it. And the interesting the interesting thing, this guy that has the birds is a film producer from Vancouver that has these trained birds. And he actually has done a lot of documentaries for for National Geographic. So he's he's a uh, wow guy to talk yeah. to all this experience. But that's some of the things that we do to to be good like you know kind of good neighbors to to our, our neighbors and we post like i say we post all our all our uh, orchards have a sign that we are jealous fruits and if you have any issues give us a call indeed but you don't grow just cherries right i think there's some peaches as well that uh, kill- very limited oh, okay. i would say probably 99 percent still I, cherry. i i know we grow a few apples too but it's it's not even a factor in, 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 in what, what's this i know is What's the season going to look like? Do you know? Do you know what the cherry crop looks like? Is it good? Uh, it's going to be lighter. Right. Uh, some varieties will be bigger, obviously, uh, because there's not as many crop. But we could be picking into September because everything's pushed back a little bit. Right. Uh, to do that. I'm, I'm excited about that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. I know. It's 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 such a it's, it's such a uh, a real thing to to be proud of. The fact that we have some fruit that's really, you know, the best in the world. And like yeah. I said to the research station in Summerland, I said, I said, sometimes we have to take a lesson from our cousins down south. 
from the uh, US of A is the fact if you were number one in the world, how big would that sign be on the yeah, highway? Yeah, you know, yeah. We have to be proud of what of what we're doing in this industry. We have to be proud of what we're of what we're accomplishing uh, uh, in this in this industry and how it's how it's taken fold because uh, now we have the BC Cherry Growers Association uh, uh, and Soup Ball Balls. Soup Ball Ball is the president, and he's a dynamic dynamic young individual that's really taking the industry by hold and done some really uh, really uh, good things. But we've also had cases to the provincial government. With the COVID the last couple of years, they, all the immigrant workers had to quarantine in Vancouver right, right. for 14 days. Now, that was, and I give the provincial government all the accolades, 100% of that hotel rooms and the food and everything was picked up by the provincial government. Hmm. Like we should be really, because without them, there'd be, there'd be no fruit pick at all without the without the 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 workers coming in and when you see most of them are mexicans we have some from jamaica and some from right. guatemala now and some from barbados but majority are the mexicans and i tell you rob they are so happy to get the jobs over here they, they just embrace the yeah. opportunity <laughs> to work and send uh send the money back home interesting and was what was what was it like during the shutdown of covid like was it other than the retail location, was it business as usual? Like were you able to ship and all that sort of? Yeah, there, there was different protocols. I mean, you know, uh, that we had to uh, had to follow. Like normally uh, all the growers usually once a week and you probably see the yellow buses at yeah, yeah, the yeah. store in Walmart going. Well, during the COVID, we, they ordered their food online. And we had a semi-truck pick up the food at Walmart and bring it to the camps. Huh. because they couldn't you they couldn't, couldn't have that cross contamination yeah, yeah. right and some of them are for the first year i don't think they could leave the farm so on yeah. their day off a lot of them just stayed in the camp or rode a bicycle yeah, around the orchard because they couldn't they, they, they couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. Anywhere. they couldn't go anywhere so we were pretty strict on that protocol because we could not allow covid to get into the plant yeah so we yeah. didn't have any tours or really strict to who we let in the in the in the building, uh, but you know uh, we'll see how it it goes uh, it goes uh, uh, this year because our our East Kelowna location was outside, so we still had people could try samples right, right. at the store at, at the plant. Uh, we couldn't allow that because it was inside a building, and we didn't want to we didn't want to have that uh, uh, any chance of contamination. All last year we wore a mask as employees right, right. Uh, uh, in, the, in the facility. So so you mentioned, so I was going to ask actually, is that the, from a consumer point of view, just the two retail locations to, to buy cherries from? Yeah, and we, we supply some of the stores and some of okay. the fruit stands. Uh, okay. We do that, but we really try to drive the, the traffic over there because uh, you get to engage the people. You yeah, get to yeah. tell the story a little bit more. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, then it's with trying the cherries and then they can see them growing. They see the workers coming out. It becomes a real farm experience because right. then they, they understand the, the scope of the scope of what it is. Uh, yeah. you know? And there's lots of other uh, large growers in the, in the Valley too, but none of the capacity that we have. I'm curious, actually at the retail location, do you see 
uh, mostly tourists or locals or a little bit of both? Do you, both. Like, yeah. Both. But I tell you what, we had some uh, people come from uh, Montreal that they were going across Canada last year. Right. And uh, she was an architect, the wife, and the, the husband was retired Montreal City Police. They'd never seen a cherry tree before. So oh, I really? took them over to see the cherry tree. And it was like they were in Disneyland. Like yeah, it was yeah. just, you know, you don't you don't appreciate that they we take, we take it for granted. Yeah. Totally. So that's yeah. why. And then they start explaining how it's pruned in that. So a lot of people want to know uh, how they're growing. Right. Right. You know, right to the water and all that. So right. once I once I explain to them, they have a better understanding of, of what it is. Like a couple of years ago uh you could see the sprinklers going at the east Lacone, east colonna location right so there was one of the city colonna managers coming up and i thought well now is my opportunity so i was talking to the customer above them and i said to them it really drives me crazy because all these new irrigation systems that the farmers put in that in some cases has reduced the amount of water they use by 25 percent right. nobody says thank you they don't get a letter from nobody to say thank you for preserving water so then uh, the manager and his wife came up and the wife said to, to the husband, did you hear what he said? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think he sent a letter? <laughs> uh, I didn't get it, but, 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 but anyhow, but the thing about it is once people understand, right. you know, the industry, then it, then it, it's a little acceptability to, yeah. okay, now we've got helicopters flying at certain times of the year. Plus it's a huge, I mean, the amount of money that organizations like us spend in the local community, oh uh -huh. my Lord, it's millions of dollars. So there's yeah. real contribution for a short period of time. Sure, right. we have people pruning all winter, but the actual harvest is two months. Right. And some of the real small growers, 10, 15 acres, they pick their crop in five days. And it's done. It's done. You know, yeah. but you know, there's a lot of work to grow them properly. For sure. And for sure. And you know, it's it's like everything. It takes time to cook a good meal too. Yeah. So. Interesting. I'm curious. Um, you're busy, but when you get a spare minute to yourself, I don't know if that happens. Where do we find Dominic? What do you love to do when you're not, you know? networking i know you love your networking like being in the oh, I, I i i love it a lot of times spend a lot of time with the grandchildren watching them play hockey and and uh so i i really i really uh really enjoy that right. and uh my cousin's uh doing a, a real intense family tree of the ramponies so we uh, get together in the wintertime quite a bit to to uh, uh get involved and network uh, with a whole bunch of, uh, of people there. And I like watching uh, sports and, 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 and that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, my real passion is, is, is the whole networking. For a couple of years there, there was no in-person events. Oh, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was literally going crazy <laughs> because, because you have those networking events and uh, uh, it's, it's the human interaction from people is awesome. And, yeah. and that's what I think makes people grow uh, and all that. Because sometimes uh, I volunteer for the YNCA Employment right. Services. So I, I go talk to the younger high school students about the importance of networking. Right. You know, and how, because I don't know a lot of their contacts. You don't know mine. And some, somewhere down the line, if, if, if you can engage those, those right. contacts, it could right. benefit, it could right. benefit a whole bunch of people uh, yeah. to, to uh, to help them uh, 
um, get ahead in the world, however you measure success, but Just you know, to get ahead. So, so last question I have for you, Dominic, because you have a lot on the go, but what's, what's next? What's, I know you have a lot, but is there something new and exciting that you were, I know you're, you're, you're passionate about, you're working with the Canadian Italian uh, society. Yep. I think there's some really good opportunity there. You mentioned of, oh, there's, there's working together and there's huge. They want to do a lot of importing and exporting between Italy and Canada. Right. So that's a big push for the for the Italian uh, Chamber of Commerce, who has offices all over the world. And right. They have one in one in Vancouver. Uh, quite excited about that. But also, I think the other thing that I'm excited about is is when you see the the uh, the growth and you see where right. Kelowna's uh, growing. It's it's Bernard Avenue is pretty vibrant. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm really glad to see. I'm really glad to see uh, that kind of uh, stuff happen. So, uh, you know, the ultimate thing is I'm happy with what I'm doing now. I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but who knows what happens next year, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I've got, and I really enjoy working with the West Bank First Nations. Mm -hmm. That is, they're, they're, they're very going concern, very right. passionate about what they do. But the interesting part about working with them is they relate everything to the four cheats of water, sun, and all that. So anything they relate to what they do right. is 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 related to that that concept, which is no different than anybody else that wants to live in this world. Yeah, interesting. Well, Dominic, thank you for chatting today. I always love talking to you, and it seems like I always learn something new, so <laughs> which is awesome. So um, for anyone that's listening that hasn't experienced the amazing Okanagan cherries. I encourage you to stop by the retail locations. Make sure you ask for Dominic. He might give you a trivia question too. He loves doing that. He loves testing. Every, every day at the East hey, Coast location we have. And, but now people my age, they cheat because they sit in their car for a second and they Google. I said, you They're can't Googling do that. The That's not, you're too old to Google. There's know? an answer for everything online. So there you go. Well, Dominic, but, thank you for, for oh, sorry. You. Go ahead. No, I just want to say thank you, Rob, for, uh, you and Kona now supporting agriculture. Uh, the ag agriculture community really appreciates it. And uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk about agriculture. Yeah, and no, I was Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and joining everybody else. Have a great rest of your day and thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Thanks. Thank you very much, Rob. Have a good one. You too. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive.